Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you? Funny, how bloody good is that song, mate? It gets me so pumped up every time, you know? I love it. I love it. Now, who we had to thank for that, Lonnie? Mark Irons, singer, Mark. lover, <laughs> oh. and old around good bloke. I love Mark. He's great. I want to meet him one day in person. I only chatted to him. Yeah, but he had a good connection. Anyway, is this an episode about Mark? Come on, mate. <laughs> it could be. You don't know my topic yet, mate. <laughs> This could be a Mark episode for all you know. It's not, by the way. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Mark, if all you're right. listening. Lonnie, I want to touch today on something that I find uh, a bit fascinating. And it has takes on many forms, Lonnie. I want to talk about adaptations today. Adaptations, you say? Every week on this podcast, we look at something new and something about life, pop culture, history. We take the other guy on a, on a trip through through the world, and so you're taking me through adaptations. I can't bloody wait. Lonnie, here we go, mate. I'm going to go through some examples of some different combinations of adaptations, mm-hmm. some examples of some good ones, some bad ones. We'll have some discussions, Lonnie. Some laughs? I hope so. Some, some laughs, some gaffs, some goofs. <laughs> you know it. Okay. So adaptations, Lonnie, it's basically, uh, you know, taking something from one form and adjusting it into another form. An example would be books to movies. That's pretty uh, It's pretty much one of the most prominent ones, I would say. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I would say a well-known example of this would be the Harry Potter movies. Lonnie. I haven't heard of them. Lonnie, what have you been doing? <laughs> no, I've heard of them. Oh, gotcha. you got me, mate. You got me. <laughs> You're too good. Yeah. Yes, very, very good examples of adaptations. Yes. So for those uh, who need a basic overview, the Harry Potter films, each an adaptation of the book that shares that film's name. They're basically one for one, book to movie, that sort of thing. Except for the last one, that's split up into two, but you know, that's all right. Now, I'd say this is an example of a pretty straightforward adaptation, Lonnie, as a whole. And I would say the series leans towards good adaptations. I think you agree with that? I think so. I think they did a really good job of Capturing the spirit, if not every plot detail, which um, especially as those later books got quite um, long and detailed, they didn't exactly have the time to um, be doing. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. I mean, what do you, in general, with book to film adaptations, what do you think uh, can be some of the tricky aspects of translating them? Well, it's funny. They're differently structured for the most part. Often, mm. often books are very... Most books have chapters, but I'm going to, you know what I mean? They have episodic mm. sort of chapter-based stories. Yeah. Films don't always have that same idea. Um, films as well, look, they can show a wider um, array of events 
but they can't as always get inside a character's head as well as books can. Yeah, well, that's the thing with books. You get like uh, internal thoughts and monologues of characters, that sort of thing, and how they feel in a, a given situation. Yeah. Which in a movie you can't really get. You kind of have to go off uh, the actors emotionally conveying that. Yes, and you can do like things like voiceover, but it's not quite the same, is it? Yeah, you can count on one hand how many times in a monologues and movies have been done successfully. Yeah, and yeah. it's there's lots of great debate in film scholarly circles, Dylan. I'm sure you're aware of about point of view and how that's captured and portrayed on film. It's very different to a book where you can just write. This is what I'm thinking right now. I'm a character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as you were saying before, different pacing. I mean, uh, mm. people can take their time with books, as you said, broken up into chapters and that sort of thing, and they aren't expected to be read in one sitting. Whereas films, you pretty much are expected to watch it in, in one go. Yep, you've got a thing about yeah, the book can go into greater detail. You can get more involved with the characters and know more about them and get in that world. But the movie's done in two hours, so... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> more or less, yeah. But, um, yeah, and with films you have to kind of consider what works in a book rather than in a movie, that sort of thing. You have to look at uh, most of the time trimming them down as well, trimming the fat, as they say. Exactly right. In a book you can have the whole page of description of what the forest looks like, but in a film you just have the picture of it, you just show it. You yeah. don't have to worry about that. You get a shot of it and then you're done. Yeah. All sorted. And you have to work out what services the story and the characters. And um, knowing what isn't necessary is just as important as knowing what is in adaptations, Lonnie. Like with the Harry Potter movies, an example would be something that wasn't carried over into the film adaptations is Peeves the Poltergeist. Mm, I like Peeves. Yeah, yeah. He's okay. He's all right. Bit of a dick, but you know. <laughs> um, for those who haven't read the books, he's a bit of a mischief maker around Hogwarts. Uh Kind of just a prankster, really. Prank students by dumping stuff on them, tricking first years into going to wrong classes, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, book readers were sad. He wasn't in the movies, but, I mean, honestly, what does he really add to the story and plot? Yeah, he's a cool detail to have in a, in a full novel, but don't need him for a movie necessarily. Is yeah. He, he, talking about Peeves, he's like a ghost... He's a poltergeist, but yeah. is he a real person who turned into a ghost or is he just a spirit? I think he's just, because um, he's not technically a ghost, because the ghost, I think they shun him at the book statement. Yeah, they're not a huge fan of him. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's just uh, just a weird creature. I don't think mm. he's uh, the spirit of anyone that died or anything okay, like that. Sure. But then again, I'm not in-depth in the Harry Potter lore, Lonnie. So, sure. Yeah. But yeah, another example, Lonnie. The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. We know those films, don't we? Oh, do we ever. <laughs> um, I feel the filmmakers were experts at these adaptations, Lonnie. Yes, they, they did a great job on the first trilogy, and then The Hobbit is less successful. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. All right, okay. Don't want to jump the gun. Might be a, an example of bad <laughs> adaptations. I'm not going to spoil it, okay. but you know. But yeah, but, uh, I watched the Lord of the Rings movies, just the theatrical cuts, not too long ago, and I was blown yeah. away about how good they are. Yeah, yeah, and even um, even the extended stuff is is still great. Probably mm. the pacing isn't uh, as good. Um, no, I've only seen so I've seen them all when I was a kid, and I watched them again recently to clarify. 
And I've seen the first director's cut, but I haven't seen the second or third film's director's cuts. You're saying they're, they're good? Worth it? Oh, yeah. It's great stuff. Um, I mean, it, it includes stuff that obviously they didn't feel was necessary for a theatrical cut, so it's you're not getting any major extra plot stuff, mm. you know. It's more just fun things and stuff that fleshes out some more things, that sort of thing. Um, but one of the things that they didn't include in the movies is uh, Tom Bombadil. I was hoping you're going to... <laughs> um, mentioned old Tom. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about him being left out, Lonnie? Well, I must admit, I haven't actually read the... I've read some of the books, but I haven't yeah. read them completely, and I want to do that eventually. Mm. Um, but this is a... His character has always fascinated me. I've read about him. So he's kind of... He's, no one really knows what he's about, right? He's just, like, living in the forest near the Shire, but he's yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a strange entity. Yeah, he's kind of an outlier, because... Um, and I think this is probably one of the reasons they didn't include him, mm. is that when they meet him in the forest when they're leaving the Shire, it's kind of just this little side adventure that yep. just happens to happen on their way out the forest. Like, it doesn't contribute anything to plot, nothing like that. Uh, Tom interacts with the One Ring, and it has no effect on him, which is interesting to have a character that the Ring doesn't affect. But also, if you're trying to make these films and establish how addicting the ring is and how powerful and dangerous and enticing it is to the character in these movies. To just have some bloke who turns up and says, <laughs> what's the deal with this ring? Yeah. Fun I takes see. away from the threat of it. Absolutely. And also, it'd bring the, the question about later on when they need to take the ring to Mordor, why not get Tom back to <laughs> have a go? Yeah, get him to do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what's the idea? Is, is he God? Is he like, what's oh, the... I don't know. He's, he's, he's weird. Yeah. I I only know of him. I've read the the books, the Lord of the Rings books. Hmm. Read them ages ago when I was in high school, and I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I was like, "What is this? This is weird. Why is this happening? Why are we seeing this bloke?" Yeah, but then again, I had seen the movies first before I read the sure. books. So yeah, always there's been theories about what he's supposed to be and represent and whatever. I've always liked the idea that he's like God is just there, <laughs> just keep an eye on things and whatever. But and maybe he doesn't know he's God. I don't know. It's... Yeah, it's it's weird. And it's weird to just have it pop up and never mention it again in a film. Yeah, does he get mentioned again in the books at all? Not that I can remember mm. in the Lord of the Rings books. Um, I haven't read the Silmarillion, so he might be in those. Sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. And Gandalf knows him, doesn't he? But he's like not a huge fan. Is that is that correct? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Gandalf's a bit like that, though, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's a bit gruff, you know. But he's all right. We love Gandalf. Ian McKellen, shout out. Yeah, thanks, Ian, <laughs> for being you. But uh, on the topic of Tolkien, Lonnie, and you mentioned it before, we can look at a bad example mm. of book to film, which is the Hobbit trilogy. Now, I've only seen the first Hobbit film, Dylan. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Um, the rest aren't great. Okay. I, but, yeah, I never got around to them, and I'm when they came out and I was like, oh, I'll get to them eventually, I guess. But then I just haven't. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, splitting, like, it's not even a big book really into three films. It's too much. It's too much. I think the original plan was they were going to stretch it to two. Mm. Um, and then, you know, studio interference. Yeah. Throw in a third one. Thanks Harry Potter for ruining that sort of Bloody <laughs> well, hell, putting that into play, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I understand there was also lots of backstage stuff 
that affected it. Um, most Amy being because Guillermo del Toro was going to do these films, mm. if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's taken so long to get off the ground because of different rights at different movie studios and they're not coming to agreements on things, so he just ended up leaving for that one. And because Peter Jackson was executive producer, he kind of was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And he had to step in last minute, basically. And he wasn't as passionate, right? No, because he wasn't expecting to, <laughs> to yeah. do three films. And... Um, yeah, and obviously they had to get rid of all of Guillermo del Toro's pre-production, so they basically had no pre-production either. It was just so fly by the seat of your pants. So they were pre-production and production at the same time, essentially. Yeah, exactly, wow. exactly. Have you and, ever seen um, Lindsay Ellis's videos about The Hobbits? Uh, no. no, no. I'll send that to you, and I'll, I'll put it in our show notes. It's, she's like a, a American um, film studies person on, on YouTube, film, oh, yeah. video essayist. Um, yeah, really interesting. She's basically did a documentary about how those films are made and some of the um, the nonsense behind the scenes. So, yeah, I really recommend that. Oh, jeez, okay. Mm. Should have looked into that before I did this bloody podcast. Like. Nah, you're all right. <laughs> you're all right, mate. Nah, it's all right. Not going in depth on The Hobbit, bloody hell. Yeah, Come no. on. Who'd want a, that? You're a jack of all trades of all these adaptations, aren't you, Dylan? I am, Lonnie. I am. But... um. Yeah, one of the major issues, one book being split into three, you have the opposite of trimming fat. Yeah, adding fat, Lonnie. <laughs> You're just adding nonsense, fluff and filler. Uh, and, and Lonnie, they did extended editions of these movies. Madness. <laughs> have you seen them? I have. I own them. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was fascinated. I had to know what possibly could they have added into these films. And I'll tell you, in one of the films, I think it's um, Desolation of Smaug, second one, they added uh, Stephen Fry's, like this mayor of the lake town, and he's just eating testicles. Like, why? Okay. Why is that in there? So, Absolute nonsense. Am I right in, in remembering that these films, The Hobbits, some of that fat they added was kind of um, like setting up things for Lord of the Rings, like um, basically oh. serving as a prequel for that as well? Yeah, like um, uh, Legolas at the end of uh, Battle of Five Armies gets told, uh, go meet this guy. He's called Strider. Like, come on. Enough of that. We know he meets Aragorn. We we don't need this nonsense. (laughs) Is that kind of, do you think they were trying to respond to like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe idea of like licking all the films together and... No? Maybe. Kind I of, don't yeah. know what okay. was going on. Chill. It's just madness, Lonnie. Madness. But um, for the most part, that's booked to film adaptations as, a, as some examples there, Lonnie. Do it's you have any other... Yeah, yeah, some good, some bad. Do you have any examples of booked to film that popped to mind at all? Well, I do remember um, after Harry Potter got really popular, I guess Lord of the Rings, because they were kind of coming out at the same time, mm-hmm. that, like, just any kid's book was getting adaptation. Yeah, yeah. So you remember, like, um, Percy Jackson and yeah, Aragon. Was, was that era of uh, young adult novels into films, wasn't there? Yeah, everyone was trying to chase their own Harry Potter, weren't they? Mm, like Hunger Games as Hunger well. Games. I don't like, don't mind the Hunger Games movies, to be honest, but, yes, I get that. And what was the other one? Uh, Divergent. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Maze Runner as well. Maze Runner, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the Maze Runner. I've seen Twilight. that. Twilight, for example, yes. Yeah. Now, 
think there's been, there's been a bit of a resurgence of Twilight, I believe. Oh no, how so? Well, I think the people who enjoyed it as kids or as young younger people, they've they've grown out of being ashamed of it because it was a kind of cultural cringe for a while to mm. to not to be a fan of Twilight, and now they're kind of being loud and proud about it, which I think is cool. Yeah, kind of like the um, Star Wars prequels. Yes, yes, good example. Um, I think, and there's, there's actually there's a Lord of the Rings TV show as well in the, in the works, I believe. Yeah, at Amazon, I think they uh, just finished filming. Yeah, okay. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, so that that's an example of, of ones that have come to mind of of chasing after those, um, yeah, getting those kids ones. Um, but lots of movies, obviously, you don't realise that how many movies are ad- adapted from from novels, really. No, no, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Like um, Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino's even gotten in on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, crazy. But uh, another variation of this, Lonnie, yeah. books to films, we got comic books to films. Oh, there we go. Here we go. We're getting into it now, boy. Yeah. No. Um, now comic book movies. Gen- sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, no, they're, are, they, are they popular? Are they popular, comic book movies? Uh, I think they're doing okay. okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Nah, come on. <laughs> We all know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they ch- they generally tend to be loose adaptations mm. where they take uh, some elements of some stories, some elements of other stories, kind of mash them together. A uh, good example would be like Thor Ragnarok where they kind of take into account different Thor stories. They even threw some Planet Hulk in there. It's, yeah. I find it interesting because isn't it true that if they make a Hulk film, this is Marvel, um, just a straight-up Hulk film, they have to, like, split the, the money with another studio, Universal maybe. But if yeah. they just have Hulk in another film, they don't have to give anyone else any money. So they that's why Hulk doesn't have his own movies anymore. Yeah, they kind of found that little loophole, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, so we'll adapt to Planet Hulk, but we'll just have it as a side plot of another movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which some people are upset about, the diehard comic fans, but, you know... Mm. For what it is in that Marvel Cinematic Universe, it works. So that's right. And another example is like Civil War doesn't really. Well, that's doesn't that, reflect that. that well, does it? To on the on no. the series, yeah. I mean, it's it's truer than most other comic book movies. Like it's got the name, it's got the two titular characters that are opposing Iron mm. Man, Captain America. Um, more of a battle, civil battle than a civil war. But yeah, <laughs> true. The war that goes for like a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but you know they include the things like um, the the registration act, the Sokovia Accords. I think they mm-hmm. call it in this one. And uh, you know includes like warring sides of the conflict, that sort of thing. But mm. yeah, at what point does something become an adaptation, or does it just have? some elements of some stories on it. That's the thing. Well, that's it. I think and what you're saying there is that the film did a good job of capturing the spirit, but not necessarily capturing the the events of what happened in the comic book series. And I think that's okay for the MCU because it is its own thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Thor's not a a, a big dumb idiot in the comics. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of more noble and that sort of thing. Yeah. But for the movies, it works. That's true, yeah. The comic books are interesting because the um, Marvel movies often have, they take the names at least, if they capture the spirit and tone, if not the, the actual comic as a complete 
frame for frame recreation. Mm-hmm. The DC ones don't really. They're kind of their own thing, aren't they? They might take some inspiration from the comics, but they necessarily try and adapt storylines in any sense, really. Well, that's what I was going to say, because with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Lonnie, mm. I would not class that as an adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns. No. Because the characters are completely different from how they are mm-hmm. in that comic. Mm-hmm. Um, the only really two characters you have from that comic are Batman and Superman, no one else. <laughs> like you don't have Joker, don't have Carrie Kelly, Robin, nothing like that. No, and then that this is like their first meeting in the movie, but in the series that's like obviously he's yeah. retired and whatever, yeah. They've known each other for decades, yeah. Uh, but it does include some key moments, visuals, uh, some very basic plot elements, mm. such as Batman being old, um, obviously the fight between Batman and Superman. Uh, the suit that Batman wears in that film is like like for like the suit from mm. the comic. Um, as well as some key visual scenes as well, like Batman busting through that wall. Yeah. to save Martha, grabbing that big machine gun, that's from the comic, mm. uh, as well as Superman getting nuked, yeah. also from the comic. Yes. But, yeah, is it an adaptation or is it just based on it? Or does it just not really fall into either category? I need answers, Lonnie. I need answers. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll try and answer for you, Don. I think um, that's more of a, yeah, the comic's a touchstone there, isn't it? It's not necessarily adaptation. It's just inspired yeah. by visual elements or some story elements. Mm. I kind of feel like some of that stuff, like putting a square peg in a round hole, though, doesn't quite fit. Like you're saying, you're just taking the imagery, but not necessarily the storyline, but then it doesn't quite make sense. Maybe maybe it doesn't make sense if you know the stories, and it's fine if, if not, but... Yeah. But, no, but then you have like things like Sin City, mm. which is like as direct an adaptation as you can get. From a comic. Yeah, it's almost why they're bothering making the movie if they're just going <laughs> to take the images from the comic book, right? <laughs> yeah, it's basically shot for shot, panel for panel mm. in mm. that movie. Mm. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And um, I think the dialogue is exactly the same as well, pretty much. I think so, yeah. Like, basically to the point where I think in the credits at the start, Robert Rodriguez, like it doesn't say directed by Robert Rodriguez, it says 
shot and cut. By That's Robert, right. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't have much else. He just control C, control V. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was some very minor alterations, like because a lot of that comic had just like black backgrounds and that sort mm. of thing, mm. and they added some stuff like trees to some background shots, that sort of thing. Um, but you have you seen Sin City? You know what, Dylan? I've got a, a strange history with Sin City. Ooh, okay. I'll take you through it. Oh, yeah. I've always been intrigued by it because it's pretty cool and it's got good reputation. Mm. At least as an exercise. I think I, I agree with that. It's an interesting exercise. I'm not sure it's a really good film in that sense, but, you know, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got a shot and everything. So I was at work and this person brought in a whole box of DVDs. They're like, I've got a friend who works at JB Hi-Fi and they have these DVDs that were... I was gonna say going bad, like, <laughs> like it was food, but I think they just had them left over or something. Yeah. Maybe they had the store closed and they just had a bunch. They just took whatever. Yeah, probably. And so, like, my absolute dream, Dylan, absolute dream. It's they're like, just take whatever you want. And I was like, hello. Oh, for sure. And so I took Sin City, and it was a actually a special edition, and it came with a book. Ooh. One of the, I think it was a long, was it long, good night or something like that. Whatever the title is of one of the stories. The graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The Hard Good Night, have you? Anyway, yeah. I took that and I was like, hell yeah. Then eventually I got around to watching it. Unfortunately, of the two discs, the first disc was all scratched up. Oh, no. So I couldn't actually watch it, Dylan. Oh, no. And then the second disc, luckily, had all the films on it, and you, but you could watch them out of order, like just as the stories, like, you know, they're all short films, because I think in the original film it's all intercut, right? Yeah, yeah, it's... um basically just focuses on each story mm. for each bit of the film yeah so in that sense i have watched all of the films but not in the way it was presented i've watched like the short film versions of them yeah, right. and, okay. except for <laughs> the one that was in the comic book that i got with it because it wouldn't work <laughs> oh no but then i was like well, that's okay i'm through the comic book and it's pretty much the same anyway yeah so yes i have kind of seen sin city and i know what it's about and everything yeah so, um, yeah, interesting story. I, I would have thought that's a cool one to put in the pod. So, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, but but one of the issues is because there's no change to the dialogue and that, um, you know, comic book dialogue can be a bit hammy, bit you know, a bit cheesy, mm. and it basically all comes down to the act delivering it and how confident they can be with Frank Miller dialogue, which which at times can be a bit full on, like City's Black. As black as the heart, you know, that sort of thing. It's all about confidence, which some can do, <laughs> some can't. Uh, I think Mickey Rourke absolutely kills it in that movie. Yeah. I think it's one of his best performances. Um, Michael Madsen, eh, not so much. He's not too great, but, you know, hit or miss with it. As I said, I think it's a cool experiment, at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I'm a bit sad. They should. I think they should have done... Mickey Rourke, Dark Knight Returns, to be honest. I reckon, you reckon? could have killed it as old mm. Batman. Mm. You agree? They still might. Oh, <laughs> I mean, maybe. He's a bit old now, isn't he? Yeah, I guess so. I think that was his, that was his peak around the wrestler time. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, that's basically movies. Well, novels to movies and comics to movies. Now, another type of adaptation you got, Lonnie, is movies to video games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. 
These have kind of died off recently, but they were rampant during the days of the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. They sure were. And they were all basically shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest. Come on. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. The, they were made with little to no effort. They're basically just a cash-in on the mm. movie, mm-hmm. you know, taking advantage of uh, grandmas buying grandsons you know, gifts at Christmas time, that sort of thing. Because uh, you only have to buy it once. And then they got their money. It's not like a movie where you're counting on people seeing it at the films multiple times and sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. And it costs way more to buy one game, 80 bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, you don't have to put effort into it like you do with a movie, that sort of thing. But uh, there is one great example of a movie tie in a game, Lonnie. Have you heard of the X Men Origins Wolverine game? I have. I've actually got it and I've played it. Oh, hello. Hello. So you, you love it like me? I do like it. I actually haven't yeah. finished it because I was kind of... Look, it got a bit repetitive because you're just killing people oh, no. <laughs> level to level. But it's it's one of those ones where the, the video game's better, which I don't think is very often. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for one, rated MA. Yeah. So that's a plus off the bat. Lots of blood. Cutting limbs off, chucking guys into helicopter blades. That's all, all that good Wolverine stuff. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also much more entertaining than the movie. Like you have, uh, I don't know how far you got into it, but you fight like giant sentinels at like uh, the sentinel factories, that sort of thing. You fight the blob in a grocery store instead of at the gym. <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> um, also don't know how far you got in it, but also has Mystique in it. Did you get up to that part okay. at all? This was a couple of years ago when I played it, and I haven't sure. got back to it. But I don't know. I think I was just in various facilities and escaping and killing people in facilities. I was like, I'm getting, sure. I know what I'm doing here. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, one of the interesting things is because um, in the comic books, for people who don't know, Mystique is the the mother of Nightcrawler. Mm. For that, um, do you remember Will I Am's character from <laughs> X Men Origins? I remember him being there. Yeah. Is this like in a cowboy hat and he can teleport, that That's sort it. of thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, in the game, he's actually in a relationship with Mystique. Ah. And they are the parents of Nightcrawler. That makes sense. Exactly. Especially because Will I Am can teleport. Mm-hmm. So, and Mystique's blue. So, you know, that mashing. So, you think yeah. they made more effort on the comic book than the, the movie? Or the game, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's just. Yeah, it's way funner than the movie. So if you're having an X-Men marathon at some point, people, you know, don't don't watch that movie. Just play this game for a few hours. That's what I think anyway. But uh, another thing that... This is the one that really fascinates me, Lonnie. Mm-hmm. Movies to novels. Yes. Yeah. Now, it's something that isn't discussed as much, I feel. Novelizations of films. Um, now, these novels are usually written based on the events of the film, uh, but it's usually based on early scripts of the films. So you're kind of getting some extra stuff that you, you didn't see in the last theatrical cut of the movie, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And these are like really big back in the, I guess, before video in DVD era, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, kind of like um, before the internet got really big and accessible to mm. everyone, mm. that sort of thing. But novelizations, I feel, much easier to do because you can add things like internal dialogue to characters, extra scenes, as we said, 
and just uh, generally flesh out characters more as a whole. All that good stuff, mate. I've um, actually got one on my shelf, Dylan. Oh, okay. What you got, mate? It is Mad Max 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, I found it at a, like an op shop and, like, really cheap, so. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Have you read it yet? Or? I haven't read it yet, but I, okay. I plan to. I think it's it's fairly short. I guess the film doesn't have much in it in that sense. It's lots well, of action. I think you can just describe it, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Is it a big book or? No, nah, it's tiny. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's got pictures too. I think it's it's very much like, you know, back in the day, if you saw a film at the cinema, like that was your only chance until it comes on TV. So mm. you'd grab the novelization and then reread it a few times if you were really into the movie. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Well, the example of the novelization I want to talk about is the novelization of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Um, it just adds a lot of things. Um, as I said, based off the original script, uh, it's got things like it starts off rather than with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan going to the Trade Federation ship, it starts off with Anakin on Tatooine. So it kind of really focuses in on that he's the main character of this series, he's the pivotal point, if you know what I mean. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also has neat stuff like uh, Qui-Gon teaching Anakin lessons, life lessons, that sort of thing. Because um, at some point I think he gets into a fight with uh, a young Greedo because <laughs> uh, he accused him of cheating to win the pod race. Mm. And then Qui-Gon breaks up. He's like, well, what's going on? He's like, he said I was cheating. He's like, well, did you cheat? And he's like, no. He's like, all right, what's the issue then? Now he's getting wound up about that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. He's so wise, isn't he? <laughs> I like Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people have issues with him, but you know. Can't go wrong with Liam Neeson, mate. But uh, also, fun fact, it's the first mention of one of the expanded universe's most popular characters, who was only made canon a few years ago, which is Darth Bane. Oh, really? He gets mentioned, does he? It's his first uh, first mention in Star Wars. Wow. I don't know if you're aware, he's an ancient Sith who created the Rule of Two. Mm. So only having two Sith at a time, a Master and an Apprentice. Any more than that, just... Just madness, shenanigans. Everyone's everyone's fine for power at that point. It's pretty chaotic with just two, but yeah, I can see why it's more controllable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, so that really, because a lot of people didn't realise that uh, technically, I guess, it came from the mind of George Lucas, Darth Bane. Because mm-hmm. if it's based off his original script. But it also has a scene that sees Anakin helping uh, a wounded Tusken Raider, sand person. Mm-hmm. He even stays with him overnight until he's well enough to make it on his own, which uh, really adds more to that scene in two where he, he slaughters a whole camp of Tusken yeah, Raiders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just great stuff all around, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't really dove into many other novelizations. The only other one I've uh, read at one point, and this was ages ago, was the Batman Forever novelization, <laughs> which isn't great, but you know, <laughs> is what it is. Hit and misses, as they say. Fair enough. I think um, your mate Quentin Tarantino was was he supposedly writing a novelization of some of his movies? Uh, I'm not too sure. I haven't. Um, I heard that apparently he was going to do a a bounty law TV series. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but I think <laughs> I it might have been once upon a time in Hollywood he was going to like revive the novelization, write it himself. So, oh okay, that'd be interesting. He's a bit quirky. He'll do it probably. Well. I think he's just trying to bide some time between now and his last film. Might be trying to put it off. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, those are some examples. There are many more adaptations. I can go on forever, long, And many examples I didn't touch on. Might get a part two in the future. Okay. Um, but that's it for me. Any, anything else you want to discuss about adaptations while we're on the subject? Well, I just thought of one that could be interesting for next time, Dylan, is the film The Producers. Have you, have you seen this? Um, is that the Mel Brooks one? Yeah. So yeah. it was originally a, a film and then it became a musical. And then that musical became a film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a bit of a circle there. Ah, uh, it's Gene Wilder, right? Yeah, originally Gene Wilder, yeah. and then I think they revived it as a musical, which is kind of cool. That that happens sometimes, or like yeah, yeah. like Matilda, or with um, Groundhog Day, it's become a musical. Shrek. Yes, apparently that's really good. It's coming here to Brisbane, but um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen because of COVID and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's. And then I wonder if one day they'll make a Shrek musical. I could just, and then they'll they'll make a novel out of the musical film. Yeah, it's a never-ending loop, on it. <laughs> exactly right. Adaptation, yeah. so the gift that keeps on giving. And Dylan, have you seen adaptation the film? No. <laughs> What's it about? It's the Nick Cage one. Yeah. Where it's it's um he's playing the writer, who's ad- adapting this book, and then he's also. Ad- adapting the book that he's writing, you know what I mean? Or he's adapting in the movie. Yeah, okay. It's a bit, sure. it's a bit crazy. It's, um, what's his name? What's his bloody name? Nicholas Cage. You just said it, mate. I'm the, the, the writer. Yeah, I know. I know him so with well. You. Oh, bloody, um, Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So it was, yeah. Wikipedia. Kaufman based adaptation on his struggles to adapt... Um, Susan Orlean's 1998 non-fiction book, The Orchid Thief, or Suffering from Writer's Block. Mm. So it involves elements adapted from the book plus fictitious elements, including Kaufman's twin brother, who's not real. And he was... <laughs> so this guy who's credited as a writer is not real, but he's in the film, and then he won the Oscar, so... Oh, okay. There yeah. you go. Yes. When I think of adaptations, I think of that crazy movie, which Sinai hates. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, Sinead. Love you, Sinead. Come on, you. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it for me. As I said, there's plenty more to choose from, so it might be a part two in our future, but for now, we'll leave it there, Lonnie. Oh, well, thank you very much, Dylan. And thank you very much for listening. If you love this episode about adaptations, be sure to give us a like and a review on your podcast app of choice. And, you know, at the moment, we're doing a special deal, aren't we, Dylan? Oh, yeah, mate. If you give us a like and a review, we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. So get amongst it. Get amongst it. Revel in it. Go crazy. <laughs> That's right. And now, like, for example, some, um, Dylan's mum said that we were funny and informative. So shout-out to you. Shout-out, mum. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Hope you're having a good trip. That's exactly right. And I think the best thing you can do, though, is tell a friend about the show and tell them that if you don't, if they don't listen, friendship over. Well, I mean, give them the ultimatum. Yeah. It's the only way to do it. Exactly right. Well, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time on I Miss You, Man. And guess what, Dylan? What? I miss you, man. Oh. (laughs) I miss you too, man. (laughs) What are you doing? I don't know. What was that noise? It felt right, Dylan. It felt right in the moment. Okay, great. Don't question it. All right. All right. See you. Bye. I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I?
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.